You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you Jesus, the promised Messiah of Judaism, with Roy Shulman. Hi, this is Roy Shulman, and, and welcome once again to Jesus, the promised Messiah of Judaism, the show on Radio Maria that celebrates the Jewish roots of the Catholic Church, or seen the other way around, that celebrates the fulfillment, the completion, the full realization of all of the promise of Judaism in the Catholic Church and its sacraments. Now, I thought that what I would do today would be uh, read some extracts from the autobiography of another very enthusiastic Jewish Catholic convert, in quotes, in other words, a, a Jewish man who became a very enthusiastic member of the Catholic Church named Charlie Rich or Charles Rich. I've mentioned him before on the show. He is kind of a personal hero of mine. And he was a Hasidic Jew who grew up in the Carpathian Mountains in Eastern Europe uh, at the turn of the century, turn of the 20th century. And he only died uh, quite recently at the age of 99 in New York City, having moved to New York City as a Hasidic Jew. The Hasidic Jews are, of course, the ultra-Orthodox Jews. Um, and uh, he lost his Jewish faith and received the gift of a, of a miraculous uh, conversion uh, to the Catholic faith. And uh, at the age of 33, and from then until the end of his long life, he lived with the uh, Jesuits in New York City as a contemplative, spending 10 or 12 hours a day praying before the Blessed Sacrament exposed for most of his life. So I won't uh, recount his witness testimony itself today because I've, I've done that on previous shows. By the way, the shows uh, are archived on the Radio Maria website and also on my website, salvationisfromthejews.com. So one could, if one wanted to, go to those archives and look for um, his name, Charlie Rich. Uh, I know that the archive shows on my website have annotations of, of what the topic of the show was, so it would be relatively easy to find. But so let me just read um, some passages from his biography, because one of the advantages, maybe the only real advantage, of not being born and raised a cradle Catholic is the ability, uh, the greater ability to appreciate the Catholic Church seen from the outside. So um, let me begin reading from his uh, biography. The biography, by the way, is or it's actually his autobiography is called Charles Rich Autobiography. And if anyone wants to uh, get a hold of his book, some of them are available for free on the Internet and others can be ordered. Uh, if you just Google Friends of Charles Rich, uh, you'll find his, his website. So reading from his autobiography, this biography will be finished when I get to heaven. Its purpose is to lead to that sacred abode. In a letter to the person who is directly responsible for her conversion, we find these words, you have led me to a happiness which admits of no description. Every convert is, by means of his conversion, led to this kind of happiness. So it is for this reason he can never sufficiently thank God for such an extraordinary favor and grace, a favor and grace which is only second to the gift of his existence. And as has already been stated, it would, in my case, have been in vain to have been born had God not been good enough to extend me the grace to become a member of the mystical body of Christ, the Church of Rome is. Without the life Christ is, there's no life at all. And for him also, the life Christ is, can only be had where he now so blessedly is. One of the reasons, by the way, this is Roy interjecting, one of the reasons uh, for reading the words of Charles Rich is because he does a better job of expressing my sentiments than I can myself. But again, the only disadvantage of being born and raised a Catholic is it's hard to understand the desert that other people um, live in, not having the relationship to God uh, that's possible through the sacraments of the Catholic Church and not having the knowledge of God, the afterlife, the meaning of life on earth and so forth, which is available starting with the penny catechism uh, in the Catholic Church. So uh, when he says, I, I mean, it's just literally true. Um, one can never sufficiently thank God for such an extraordinary favor and grace, a favor and grace which is only second to the gift of his existence. In other words, the favor and grace 
of being a Catholic and participating in the sacraments and knowing the truths of the Catholic faith are second only to the gift of one's existence itself. So continuing with the words of uh, Charles Rich, I said the biography will be finished when I get to heaven because it is there only the summation of our earthly existence will take place. The psalmist tells us, quote, Heaven is the heaven of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Psalm 115. Before the sin of our first parents, the earth was itself a kind of paradise. It is to restore us to our paradisal state that God became man. It is for heaven we have been made and for no other earthly good thing. It is to heaven every good and beautiful experience points and has in view. Again, now I'm interjecting again. Um, I find this unutterably beautiful because it really is, in some sense, just Catholicism 101. Of course, before the Adam and Eve fell, before the sin of our first parents, life on earth itself was a kind of paradise. But after man fell, it was to restore us to that uh, state of paradise that God became man. And it is for heaven we have been made and for no other earthly good thing. Again, it's only logical once we were created, we are going to live for all eternity. That means more than a million years, more than a hundred million years, more than a million million years. Once we have been created, we will live for all eternity. And all of that time, with the exception of 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 years, will be in eternity, will be either in heaven or, God forbid, in hell. Obviously, we were made for that eternal life not for the 60 or 70 or 80 years on earth. And it is to that eternal life, to heaven, that every good and beautiful experience points and has in view. The meaning, it's not that life on earth doesn't have meaning. Life on earth has an infinite depth of meaning. But the meaning of life on earth is given by heaven. It's given by the fact that we were made for heaven. The meaning of life on earth is essentially the implications that our life on earth have for our eternity. So getting back to Charlie Rich, I became a Catholic so that I may in that way be happy, not just for a few years, but forever and ever. I became a Catholic that I may in that way get the grace to one day participate in the joys of the angels and saints in the life to come. It is to that life the grace of conversion is meant to lead. It is meant to lead to a happiness we cannot now imagine or conceive. No, it is not for this life alone we are Catholics. We are Catholics that by being so, we may get the grace to live the life Christ himself is and which can never have a limit to it. It is for the boundlessness they are in who have left the world we have been born. Does not St. Paul say that if our hopes in Christ are limited to this life only, we are the most pitiable of men? 1 Corinthians 15. We have not been born to be happy on earth. I do not promise to make you happy in this life, but in the next, the Blessed Virgin said to St. Bernadette. Do not promise yourself what Christ did not promise you, St. Augustine said to those of his own day. He repeats these words to us. What Christ has promised, this doctor of the church tells us, is not of this world. Close quote. I did not become a Catholic to be happy in the present life, but in the one to come, my holy Catholic faith being a ticket to the eternal and everlasting kind of joys they experience who are now in heaven. It is the heaven of unimagined bliss my becoming a Catholic had in view. It is not of earth my holy Catholic faith speaks to me. It does so of the transcendent good Jesus can alone be for a human being. So let me interject again here. Um, in a way, you know, every paragraph here, every sentence here could be the topic of, of uh, half an hour's homily. Um, again, first of all, the meaning of life on earth is not the happiness of life on earth. The meaning of life on earth is its implications for our eternity. The purpose of our life on earth is to one day participate in the unimaginable joys of the angels and saints in heaven for all eternity. Now, we should not pretend that Christ promised us something he didn't promise us. He did not promise us happiness per se in this world. 
uh, uh, Charlie Rich here quotes the Blessed Virgin Mary to, to St. Bernadette at Lourdes when she said to her, I do not promise to make you happy in this life, but in the next. Uh, frankly, God never promised to make us happy in this life. He promised to make us happy for all eternity in the next life if we do our part in this life. And in fact, the closest thing to happiness that we can consistently have in this life is the uh, state of grace, which comes from living for the next life. Similarly, the purpose of being Catholic is not uh, revealed, is not manifested primarily in our life on earth. One should not choose to be Catholic because of the, quote, advantages, close quote, that it presents for life on earth, although there are plenty of those advantages. There are probably more advantages in that sense for worldly pleasures if you become, you know, the, the publisher of Playboy magazine than if you become a Catholic. But the meaning of being Catholic, the purpose of being Catholic, is for the share in the life to come, which is made more available through being a Catholic in a state of grace. As Charlie Rich says, I did not become a Catholic to be happy in the present life, but in the one to come, the holy Catholic faith being a ticket to the eternal and everlasting kind of joys they experience who are now in heaven. So again, I mean, it's kind of ludicrous that one does sometimes see Catholics say that they left the church because they wanted, uh, frankly, perhaps to, to live a lifestyle which was prohibited by the Catholic Church. Um, that's looking at things very, very backwards. The only reason the Catholic Church prohibits those particular lifestyles is because the Church, in her wisdom and in her care for us, knows that those lifestyles will uh, prohibit us, in fact, from eternal happiness in heaven, and therefore, for our own good, the church advises us to live in such a way that we are most likely to end up for an eternity in unimagined bliss in heaven. So, again, back to Charlie Rich, and you're listening to Roy Showman on Radio Maria on the show Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism. And I'm reading from the autobiography of another enthusiastic Jewish Catholic, Charles Rich. So, continuing... And so one can write and write and write about the story of one's conversion and never come to an end. One can never come to the end of enumerating the blessings conferred upon one by the grace of being a Catholic. Quote, the favors of the Lord I will sing forever, close quote, Psalm 89. What mercy of the Lord can exceed the mercy of God, enabling me to be able to believe in all the Catholic Church teaches? Can the mercy of God be made more manifest in the grace extended to us to become a member of the only true church? It is being a Catholic that matters, and not any other thing the world has to offer, however good and beautiful it may be. The Church of Rome gives us God himself. It does so in all his fullness. A greater gift than God is, a human being cannot hope to receive. We receive the gift God himself is when we receive Holy Communion. Can Protestantism and Judaism endow the soul with such a sublime gift? It is to the church we must go to have God in the fullness he may be experienced by us this side of heaven. To become more intimately united with God than the church enables us to be by means of the holy sacraments, we must take leave of this life. It is Christ the church gives us as he may be had under the conditions of the present life. To have God in all his fullness we have to have the grace of membership in his mystical body. It is the voice of Christ the church makes use of when he says, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. John 10.10. 10. So let me just reread a, a sentence or two from there. Um, first of all, without meaning to be offensive to anybody, uh, obviously, if the Catholic Church is true in its claims, um, then, in fact, when we receive Holy Communion, we are receiving the body, blood, soul, and divinity of God himself. And obviously, that sublime gift is not available outside the Catholic Church. It's not available in the Protestant denominations. It's not available in Judaism. It's not available in any other religion. This is the fullest participation in God's divine life that one may have, as Charlie Rich says, this side of heaven, that may be experienced by us, this side of heaven. 
Uh, and again, as he says, to become more intimately united with God than the church enables us to be by means of her holy sacraments, we must take leave of this life. Again, this is obviously true. If the church is telling the truth about what the sacraments mean, in particular, if the church is telling the truth about what the Holy Eucharist is, then, of course, to be more intimately united with God than the church enables us to be requires leaving this earthly life. Um, the church gives us Christ in the fullest form that is possible to have between birth and death. And this is, uh, frankly, this is why I'm a Catholic. It's obviously why Charlie Rich is a Catholic. And whatever scandals one reads about in the newspapers stemming from people in the Catholic Church, whatever uh, difficulties one might face in um, the ebbs and flows and, uh, you know, behaviors of uh, even high officials in the Catholic Church, sometimes statements even of high officials in the Catholic Church, you know, perhaps apparent contradictions, uh, you know, some some people saying one thing, some people saying another thing, certainly many people behaving in a way inconsistent with uh, what they say and so forth. None of these things affect the fact that to become more intimately united with God than the church enables us to be by means of her sacraments, we must take leave of this earthly life. For me, that is the bottom line for why the Catholic Church is, excuse the expression, the only game in town. If it's about God and if it's about being as intimately united with God between birth and death as possible, then it is about the Catholic Church and the sacraments. Uh, kind of end of story. But again, either the Catholic teaching is true or it isn't, and if it is true, it's obvious that um, in that sense it's the only game in town. It's the ultimate relationship between man and God, between birth and death. Of course, all of this is predicated on the idea, it's dependent on the idea that one is in a state of grace, that the Catholic is in a state of grace when he receives the sacraments. St. Paul makes very clear that if one doesn't is not in a state of grace, and if one is, God forbid, in a state of mortal sin, then participating in the sacraments is actually to one's detriment. Uh, somewhere in St. Paul, he says, if so many of you are sick and dying, it's because you're receiving the body and blood of Christ unworthily. So, of course, everything I'm saying is, is dependent on, on being in a state of grace and uh, trying to the best of one's ability, of course, to... Um, lead life according to the moral guidance provided by the Catholic Church. So getting back to Charlie Rich's biography, the day I was inducted into the army during World War II, part of the ritual was to undergo examination by two psychiatrists. So one of them asked me this question, do you get depressed? To which I answered no. The next question was, were you depressed in the past? I said yes. Why aren't you depressed now? Because I am a Catholic, was the answer I gave, and this brings me to the whole question of happiness and unhappiness, and the reason for them both. As I said, I was very unhappy prior to receiving the gift of faith in the only true church, and this so much that I not only thought of putting an end to my existence, but actually took measures to bring it about. All of this indicating the profound change conversion to the Catholic faith brought about in my life, so it is for this reason alone I cannot thank God enough and pray he give the same gift of faith to all those I know and love, especially to the members of my family, not to my mother, because being in heaven, she no longer has need, any need for the faith by which we who are not yet where she blessedly is have to have to sustain our existence on this earth. So I think this is, I mean, it's a rather humorous anecdote. I can just imagine that in the uh, examination for entering the army, when the psychiatrist said, you know, are you depressed? No. Were you ever depressed? Yes. Why aren't you depressed now? Because I am a Catholic. But again, this is the advantage of being a convert to Catholicism, because I certainly also shared this experience that that before I became Catholic, before I received the extraordinary grace of understanding the truths of the Catholic faith, you know, I was consumed with what consumes 99% of the people out there, unfortunately, or at least over 90% of the people out there. You know, what's the meaning of life? Why do bad things happen to good people? You know, what's this all about? You live for 60, 70, 80 years and you die and it's all over. And, and most of that life is, you know, suffering and frustrations and disappointments and so forth. 
really um, life looks entirely different when seen through the eyes of atheism, let's say, than seen through the eyes of the Catholic faith. If everything is given its purpose by our participation in eternity, then everything on life makes sense. Everything in life on earth makes sense and does have a purpose and does have a meaning. And if uh, when we die, that's it and we just rot in the ground, then uh, it's hard to find a meaning or purpose in anything except, uh, frankly, passing pleasures, which uh, more often than not, first of all, lead one to sin. And second of all, the uh, pleasure of those pleasures itself passes. Um, in other words, one gets jaded and the things which were pleasures even cease being pleasures. And then there's really nothing to ward off uh, depression. So Charlie Rich's answer, why aren't you depressed now? Because I'm Catholic, I think is a uh, is a profound observation. Also, when uh, Charlie Rich says here, um, it is for this reason alone, I cannot thank God enough and pray he give the same gift of faith to all those I know and love. Uh, frankly, uh, amen to that. And the reason for this show, the reason for my apostolate or whatever, is precisely that coming from the darkness of lack of faith, um, I can't help but uh, pray and exhort others to pray, to evangelize, to pray for the gift of faith for others, and to share the faith with others when appropriate, so that they too can be brought out of the uh, darkness, of the meaninglessness of life, uh, the darkness perhaps of a sin and the pursuit of pleasure, into the true meaning of life, which is, of course, to ensure our happy eternity. So um, perhaps uh, at that point, I will uh, take a short break. And when we come back, I will uh, continue reading from this autobiography of, of Charlie Rich. You're listening to Roy Shoman with Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism on Radio Maria. Back in a few moments.
You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now return to Jesus, the promised Messiah of Judaism, with Roy Shulman. Hi, welcome back. And I've been uh, reading today from uh, Charles Rich's autobiography, a very beautiful reflection on the infinite gift of the Catholic Church as seen through the eyes of somebody who spent the first uh, part of his life without that gift. That is a, a Jewish convert, as am I. And uh, I think that his words very vibrantly convey the, um, the infinite gift of the church, which can be difficult to, to remain fully cognizant of. But I have been soliciting callers for the show, and I believe we have one. Are you there, Marie? Yeah, I'm here, Roy. How are you doing? Hi, thanks for calling in. I know that voice. <laughs> what was your <laughs> question or comment? Uh, comment a couple of them. First of all, when we first connected many, many years ago, um, you told me, and just to let the audience know, I'm uh, from a Jewish background and, and had a healthy uh, respect for the Catholic Church and and um, got in touch with you, uh, and you felt that it moved you to send something to me, which happened to be something from Charlie Rich. And it was one of his commentaries that mentioned um, one of the psalms, and although uh, quite a few of the psalms, which this particular psalm he sent to me, had the phrase Shir Hadash, which means new song. And that is, within Jewish tradition, is the song that we will sing when we greet the Messiah. And I really don't think that you knew that what you were sending me, but we prompted you to send that to me. And I was working on a, on a medieval Hebrew manuscript at the time of, that was entitled Shir Hadash, of this new song. So now getting back to what you've been uh, saying to the audience in this particular uh, episode is um, you mentioned how the Jews have a connection, Protestants have a connection, Catholicism has a certain connection that no one else has. And I knew that as an Orthodox Jew, I felt connected to God. And, you know, there's some that say, okay, the Jews have the Father. <laughs> we don't just have the Father, that, you know. The, the unity of God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Perhaps the Jews didn't recognize the other components. Well, Although also, we if do I talk can quote Jesus, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's right. So there you go. Jews certainly recognize the Father, and perhaps even the Holy Spirit in a certain sense is Ruach HaKodesh, but the Son doesn't play a role in terms of, of um, the popularization, at least of Jewish theology. I think it may have been on another level, but uh, as you said, you cannot come to him without, without our Lord Jesus Christ. And our Protestant brothers and sisters, of course, they recognize uh, Jesus and the Father, and they might put an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. But um, again, there, there's something missing there, something that you can only get in the Catholic Church where all three come together in perfection, and that's at the consecration when the priest asks the Father to send the Holy Spirit down upon the gift and make it the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here you have Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and that's what we take in at that sacrament. There's nothing, as Charlie Rich said, there's nothing this side of heaven that can bring us closer to God. Amen, sister. Amen, <laughs> Amen sister. <laughs> okay. Um, should I go on with, with Charlie Rich? Go ahead. Okay. 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 Well, thanks for calling, and, and I hope our... Our listeners, let me just underline that. I, I do know Marie for a number of years, as, as she mentioned, and she was a um, strictly observant Jewish woman before entering the Catholic Church, and now she is a, um, a very enthusiastic and devoted uh, participant in the Catholic Church and the sacraments. And she tried much harder, uh, if I can say so, at Judaism than I did. She, I mean, people can accuse me of having been a half-hearted Jew or not a very good Jew and not 
you know, fully committed to Judaism and, and therefore maybe I'm not the best to judge at how intrinsically uh, unsuccessful Judaism is at creating a personal relationship with God. But the same cannot be said of Marie. She did everything uh, possible um, and followed the Jewish laws um, about as strictly as one would find and, and took it as seriously as one could imagine taking it. And uh, still, uh, it was very uh, thin gruel compared to what one finds in the Catholic Church. So uh, back to Charlie Rich. Um, a few minutes ago, I was speaking about the subject of happiness and unhappiness and how the former can only be had by a person whose intent is to carry out God's holy will and that without that intent, it is in vain we look for happiness on this earth. In fact, St. Augustine says there is no one who does not seek to be happy, but he seeks for happiness in the wrong place. The adulterer, this doctor of the church says, seeks for his happiness in his adultery. So it is for this reason he finds misery in the place of genuine felicity. We all of us seek our own good, but we do not seek for that good where alone it may be had in the church of Rome. Prior to my conversion, I too was seeking for my happiness where... As the result of the bitter experience I went through, I learned with pain and anguish the happiness I sought cannot be found. I sought for happiness in the things made by God and not in the maker of them. And while a St. Augustine never fails to remind us it is not wrong to love the things God has made and that what is wrong is to depend on what God has made for blessedness, seeing blessedness, something for which we have been brought into being, into the being we have, can only be had in the infinitely blessed one Christ is and the church he founded. In the first psalm, we read these words, Happy the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor walks in the way of sinners, etc. Now it is of interest to note that the word happy in the Hebrew denotes someone who is well off in a material way and who is in possession of great wealth. In the Hebrew, the word blessed is akin to the root, which could signify a person who is a millionaire, for virtue and riches denote the same things in the Hebrew, thus indicating that it is the virtuous man who is really and truly well off, and not the person who does not live a life in accordance with God's holy will. It is that man of virtue who is well off in the eyes of God, and from the point of view of the next life, along this line, does Augustine say, not yet have you the wealth of the angels. Not yet do we have the riches of Christ, which consist in the grace to live a life in perfect accordance with God's holy will, seeing it is only when we get the grace to live lives of holiness that we are happy and well off and in no other way, and this even if we could possess the whole world of material riches. And so when the psalmist tells us that happy the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, he means to indicate that it is only those who live lives in accordance with God's will who can be called happy. They and no other types of human beings, rich as they may be in this world's goods, to which St. Paul refers to the word rubbish, Philippians 3, in the eyes of God, everything which is not of a nature to last forever is not worth giving a thought, much less something for which to labor and expend one's energy to acquire with so much pain and anguish. Let me interject two things uh, here. One is, uh, I think most of us are familiar with the story of St. Thomas More, who was martyred um, in, in England, um, you know, shortly after the, the Reformation. And when he was in prison awaiting execution and his wife uh, kind of pled with him to uh, sign the oath of fidelity to the king, uh, basically uh, acknowledging the king's sovereignty over the church. Uh, in order to save his life, St. Thomas More rebuked her, writing her that, you know, you're a very good businesswoman. And even as a businesswoman, it makes no sense to exchange a few years of this life for an eternity of bliss. In other words, to trade, trade the possibility of heaven um, for a few more years of this life by, by denying the church. Uh, and that's evidently true that it, it it's hardly a very good bargain to um, trade an eternity of bliss with God for whatever sinful pleasures this world offers. Or even in some sense, 
I don't want to say not sinful pleasures, but certainly whenever there's a trade-off between doing something which is good for our eternity and something which is merely pleasant in this life, um, it only makes sense to choose to do what is good for our eternity. And I will add another little digression here, which is um, when I tell my witness testimony, which I'm not going to do now, but I was a, essentially an atheist Jew when I received a uh, profound theophany, and saw the meaning of life and and saw the truth of the Catholic faith and so forth in this in this kind of intellectual vision that opened up before me. Um, I had the image at the time that here I was uh, like a small child playing Monopoly, uh, greedily trying to accumulate these scraps of brightly colored paper, which were worth nothing, while I was ignoring a huge pile of solid gold coins next to me. Because I realized, of course, that building up treasure in heaven, working for heaven, doing things that ensure our blissful eternity. I mean, that's working for the true coin of the realm. That's gathering up much something much better than solid gold coins and working for the transient pleasures of this world, whether it's whether it's success or, or pleasures or money or whatever, is about as foolish as that child who is ignoring the gold coins in favor of the monopoly money. So anyway... Um, back to uh, Charlie Rich, and again, the number here is 866-333-6279 or 866-333-MARY, if anyone wishes to call in. But in the meantime, back to Charlie Rich's autobiography. I do not understand why people want to live, St. Teresa said, since everything is so uncertain. St. Teresa could not understand why people do not want to be where everything is certain in the state of glory. I have always felt the same way, especially since my conversion. As soon as I was baptized, this is the thought that came to me. The gates of heaven have been opened for me by the grace of baptism, so why remain in a world like this? Why not enter through the portals of paradise, which after having been shut by sin, have been opened up for me by the grace I received to become a Catholic? There are some who falsely teach that the Jewish people do not have to undergo conversion to the Catholic faith, and this is something I will never be able to understand. I will never be able to understand such false teaching for the simple reason that before my conversion I was one sort of person, and I am now, since my conversion, a completely different kind of person, the transformation having been brought about by the grace of baptism. Yes, I was one kind of person before I became a Catholic, and by the grace of God, I am now a completely different kind of person, and all of this because of my firm belief in the existence of another life than the one in which I now so sadly find myself, so far away from the happiness they experience, those who are now in heaven. Faith in Christianity having opened for me the gates of heaven, I find it a trial to go on living in a world filled with so much sin and evil, chief among this sin being lack of belief in all that the church teaches as regards our home in heaven. The grace of conversion has made me a different kind of person from a spiritual and intellectual point of view, so I can now never thank God enough for his goodness in enabling me to now be that person that I am, one who has the grace to love Christ to an excessive degree, as well as to love the church of Christ, seeing he, Christ, and the church constitute one person. Let me just interject again and add one thing. Um, I think that many of us know this feeling. I know that I know this feeling of um, almost a little bit of, of discontent at being stuck in this life when, in a way, we are looking forward to the perfection of heaven. But um, thank God, through the uh, you know teaching of the Catholic Church, we know the reason for it, and we know the other side of this coin, which is that it is only in this life that we can gain merit. It's only in this life that we can build up the size of our bank account in heaven. Once we die, that account is fixed. There's, there's no more, uh, you know, gold coins going into our account in heaven. We will be benefiting for all eternity from the, um, uh, I don't know the technical term, but essentially for the merits, for the good that we do, and for the suffering that we do while on earth. I remember reading that St. Padre Pio said, that the angels are incapable of envy, but if they could envy us anything, they'd envy us our ability to suffer, our ability to suffer and thereby console Christ and thereby gain a merit in heaven. In fact, 
Padre Pio also famously said, if we knew the true value of suffering, we would never pray for anything else. So that is the other side of this coin. That's actually why it is a great, every day of life is a great gift. It's not a great gift necessarily because we're happier on earth than we will be once we die. It's a great gift because it's an opportunity to um, invest in our eternity. It's an opportunity to do good. It's an opportunity to do good for other people. But it's also true, if I may speak as a former Harvard Business School marketing professor, that we cannot do good for other people without reaping some reward ourselves in eternity. And there's always a commission. Any good we do for other people, whether evangelization or charity, spiritual works of mercy, corporal works of mercy, always uh, redounds to our credit. We can't outdo God in generosity. So anyway, so that's the other side of this coin. That's the reason why... However, um, uh, momentarily dissatisfying life on earth is, uh, once we die, I think we will be grateful for every hour, additional hour that we've had on earth to um, console God, to do good for other people, and to build up our treasure in heaven. Um, so let me skip forward. Um, I don't know how much further I'll uh, have time to read, so let me skip to a passage that I really very much wanted to read. Again, back to Charlie Rich. I know I have digressed, digressed from the aim I have set out to write the story of my spiritual and intellectual life. But as I think of all the unbelief that is in the world today and of the mercy of God to have the grace not to offend him in this respect, I simply have to express my view along this line. We just can't stand by and see all this unbelief being so prevalent in the world and not be grieved over it, as were all the saints. Hasn't the great St. Teresa herself told us that she was not upset by any sins that men commit, except the one that heresy and unbelief are? And so, like her, we should only be upset by the sins of the mind, and not so much committed by the frailty of our human nature, seeing these latter are in no way as grievous as the former. I can understand any sin a human being can commit, because I have, before my conversion, been guilty of them myself. But what I will never be able to understand is how a human being made in the image of God can fail to love the love itself that Jesus is. This is something altogether too baffling and too perplexing and too mysterious for my limited intelligence to try to figure out. And was it not for this reason, the lack of love for love itself, that made St. Mary Magdalene go about the convent halls crying out and saying aloud that love is not loved? And is there, can there be, a more lamentable sight in this world than to see people fail to love the love itself Jesus is? So again, uh, I think that this is a a very uh, appropriate exhortation to evangelize that um, one just, just just look around at all of the unbelief in the world today and we can't just, as Charlie Rich says, we can't just stand by and see all this unbelief being so prevalent in the world and not be grieved over it as were all the saints. Um, the uh, uh, Anyway, you know, we, we may not be able, we may not be able to preach, we may not have an ability to evangelize in some uh, formal way. But there's one way that we all can evangelize, which is, as uh, Jesus said, not to hide our light under a bushel basket. In other words, to let people know about our faith. And yes, they will think we are nuts or eccentric or superstitious or whatever, but people have to know that some people take God very seriously, that some people take the meaning of life very seriously, and that some people take the Catholic Church very seriously as exactly what it claims to be. Um, and uh, that we can all do. Uh, there are always opportunities to, and I mean, I remember from when I was a Jewish atheist and before then when I was uh, in a you know, somewhat observant Jew, you know, whenever I saw a Catholic who took their faith seriously, um, as uh, Walt Whitman said, it, it made an itch in my ear that wouldn't go away. It, you know, it plants a seed. It might take 20 or 30 years for that seed to germinate, but people have to know that other people who are not 
certifiably insane actually believe that all of this stuff is true. And I hope that you believe it's all true. I hope that I believe it's all true. I know that, of course, one's faith uh, goes through ebbs and flows. There's nothing better for cementing one's faith, I think, than reading the words of saints. Because, again, I mean, their, their faith and their conviction in the truths of the faith is contagious as ours are to others. So anyway, back to Charlie Rich. As I have said, I started out writing the story of my conversion, but I cannot pass by something I have experienced as a Catholic which has caused me deep pain. It consists in seeing people defect from the love Jesus is. They defect from a church which is suffused with the love for Christ, so that they defect from the love itself Christ is, and this for the reason of our Lord being able to be fully appreciated, fully known, and fully loved in the Church of Rome, seeing that when we leave Rome, we leave him who constitutes the nature and essence of all Rome is meant to be. It is the Church of Rome our Lord has appropriated for his bride. It is her he has drawn so close to his own blessed being that she has become mystically one with all he himself is. Again, this is clearly true. It's not that non-Catholic Christians don't participate um, in, in the body of Christ. I'm not saying that. But obviously, if the Eucharist, which is offered by the Catholic Church, is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, then there is a very unique union that the Church of Rome offers that is not offered in any other way. Uh, another uh, Jewish Catholic, um, the former Roslyn Moss, who's now Sister Miriam or Mother Miriam, she became not only a Catholic, but she started an order, um, gave a very beautiful example of why Protestants are not allowed to receive communion in the Catholic Church. And she said it was in no way a rejection, but rather it was a sign that receiving communion is entering into a very particular, it's actually consummating a marriage with Christ. It's, it's consummating a, a, a very intimate union with Christ. And just as one has to be formally and publicly go through a marriage ceremony before it is legitimate to enter into the marital union, so one has to publicly and formally become united with the uh, Church of Rome before one can enter into the kind of marital union produced by the Eucharist. So it is not exclusionary at all, the, re uh, the restriction of communion to uh, Catholics. It's, it's actually an invitation, but it's an invitation to uh, the fullest possible union with Christ. And such a union requires a, a formal acknowledgement of uh, institutional union as well as the act of union itself, so so to speak. So, um, okay, enough. Oh, I, I say enough preaching, but I just see that we have actually come to the end of um, of time. So I will just close with a, a few um, a few more sentences, I suppose, from Charlie Rich before um, thanking you. I hope you've enjoyed this show, by the way. But back to another paragraph or two from Charlie Rich. Yes, I can never thank God enough for extending me the grace to become a Catholic. And the first thing I will do when I get to heaven will be to thank him for the gift of being a member of the mystical body of Christ, the Church of Rome, will always be. Some people glory in being materially well off, while there are others who rejoice in fame and honor. As far as I am concerned, I am unable to find satisfaction in anything other than in the realization of my being what I am, a member of the household of the one true faith. It is sad to see so many Catholics take their faith in the church for granted and not thanking God for that faith and doing so every moment of their earthly days. It is sad to see so many Catholics not filled with rapturous delight at the realization of their being the blessed members of the Church of Rome. I read the story of a little boy standing near the entrance to a diamond mine. He had a stick in his hand with which he kept pushing in the mud what seemed to be a chunk of stone, but which turned out to be a precious diamond. Some people do the same thing with their Catholic faith. They fail to realize the infinite worth of a faith for which millions of men and women and even children have already received the grace to lay down their lives. And this is a tragedy of the first order, 
the one lack of appreciation being a Catholic will always be. Can we glory in anything better than in the hope we have that after this life will be over, we shall be inconceivably happy? To how many has been given the grace to be in rapturous awe at the realization that they are the blessed members of the only true church? So I guess that's a good summary of uh, my intention for the show, to show through the eyes of a convert to the church the rapturous awe that we all should have at the infinite gift of uh, being a member of the Catholic Church, receiving the infinite gift of the sacraments, and in particular the Eucharist. And to the extent that some of our listeners, for whom I'm very grateful, are not yet members of the Catholic Church, I invite you to look into the claims of the Catholic Church, in particular look into the claims of the Eucharist, and of the truth of what the Eucharist is, and open your minds and hearts and pray that if, in fact, what the Catholic Church says is true about the Eucharist, that you may receive the uh, grace of coming to recognize that truth and participating as fully in the union with Christ as is possible in this period between birth and death. So that's my prayer for you today. I want to thank you for joining us today on Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism. And I uh, invite you to join us next week, si- same time, same place. Uh, this is Roy Showman. Uh, bye for now.